Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 59 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. I would love to hear about where you are right now and imagine seeing everything that you're seeing through your eyes, whether you're in the car, whether you're going for a walk, whether you're doing housework, whether I'm on a computer screen. Um, But wherever you are, I hope you are focused and you're enjoying yourself and you are, yeah, making the most of what it is that you're doing and giving it your full attention. I am tired at the moment. I was very sick on the weekend, just a head cold. So very sick is probably a bit dramatic, but yeah, I'm really feeling it today. Um, The weather's been really beautiful here. It's getting warmer. And then today it got very cold again and overcast and oh, it's just knocked the wind right out of my sails, but that's okay. I feel as though in, in today's world, we push and push and push. And there's always this thing talking about self-love, you know, give yourself self-love and that's equated to relaxing and reading a book and falling in a Netflix hole or getting a massage. And while, yes, I would think that that is sometimes self-love, I also feel that the counter to that is true, which is that self-discipline is love and honouring your commitment to yourself and honouring the things that you're doing um, to achieve and, you know, look after the f- your future self and your future. And I think that's really valid as well. I certainly have a tendency to push and push and push. Um, a girlfriend of mine is like, Rhiannon, stop being in your masculine energy, you know, accept, receive, listen. And I've really had her in my mind lately because instead of pushing and continuing to push, I've felt the need to just stop and listen. So instead of going super hard or, you know, continuing to push through in a way that I normally would, I just want to, you know, take my foot off the pedal for a little bit and um, still work, but just, yeah, be a little bit calmer within myself and be a bit kinder um, because, yeah, feeling quite tired, which kind of leads me perfectly into what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about enjoying everything. Because I think it's so important to, where possible, find enjoyment in everything that we do. And I know that's a huge fleeting statement. And what I mean is that in every situation, we can choose to look at it negatively or positively with a more um, serious kind of perception or a more light and positive one. And I was recently reading a book uh, that talks about realistic optimism where you look at something and find the silver lining or you choose to take a different perspective, but you don't overshoot that perspective in such a way that it becomes unrealistic or beyond the threshold of what seems possible. So you don't go, oh, I didn't get in the gym today and I didn't get to do my workout and I just really feel terrible about that choice. Instead, it's I didn't get in the gym this morning and while I don't feel great about that choice, I understand that you know my body's trying to tell me that I need some rest and that one workout in the grand scheme of things isn't going to have a huge impact on my overall health and fitness. And I also know I need to get back in the gym. So 
It's about accepting the circumstance for what it is and having that recognition that it's okay, it's temporary and that there are positives to be gained as well. Instead of beating yourself over the head with a stick about it, you can just relax into it and go, yep, okay, that happened and it's all right, we're moving on. And sometimes we might feel great about doing something and other times we may not feel that way at all. But I also think if we're open to the fact that there is something we can do to enjoy a task, we are unbelievably better off where we have that perspective. And so this comes about being in the moment in terms of certain jobs we don't enjoy doing that we have to do. And it also comes about the perspective we have on things that we might choose to do but may not do and then you know give ourselves a hard time. It's about our perspective, whether that's in the moment or in the lead up about things we do and don't like to do. It's all encompassing. For instance, I was home with my kids one weekend and I really wanted to get some cleaning done before we left the house. And I don't mind cleaning. Cleaning isn't one of those jobs that I really loathe. I don't mind it. And I think it's part of me being house proud. It's also one of those jobs that when you've done it, you've done it. You can see the difference. And so it's one of those jobs that, you know, when I get to the end of it, I look around and I feel proud and I feel content because it's done. And then it's done. There's a beginning and an end and it's finished. You know, the house looks better and I feel like I've achieved something. It's great. And anyway, this particular weekend, the kids had been home with me for the morning and it was a superb spring tazzy day. Everything looked bright and more vibrant. It was just beautiful. And all I really wanted to do was take them to the park and play and be present with them. And, you know, but before I did that, I really wanted to get some house jobs done. So we'd been outside in the morning, we'd hung washing out and we'd been playing games and swings and trampoline time. And then I disappeared and started to clean, thinking that the kids were distracted, they were doing what they were doing and I could get away with being absent and they were preoccupied. Anyway, that went on for maybe a little bit too long. And so when I finished the cleaning, every parent on the planet listening to this will completely know where I'm going with this story. When I finished cleaning and I was ready to get them in the car and go, I saw the mess I'd made. And my mum said, beware of the quiet children. In this instance, she was right because the mess they had made were these tiny little beads that you can use to make bracelets and things and you thread with them. I'd say there were about a hundred of them all over my kitchen and dining room floor and it's a hard surface. So they had just rolled everywhere across every surface and they moved so quickly they found themselves in every little crevice nook and cranny under couches you know everywhere you could imagine they're underneath things and so packing them up was really not easy and I found it really hard to control my anger considering that you know I felt like I'd been working all morning really and I was building up to doing something fun with them which included me being you know present with them outside in the fresh air and just you know mummy playtime. So, you know, I would enjoy that as well. So that mess that they'd made, all the cleaning I'd already done, I then had to keep going (laughs) before we could leave the house uh, and then we could go and play and have some fun. Now, in that moment, I was really asking myself whether it was necessary to get it cleaned up. Could I have just left the house, left the mess there? And the answer is yes, I could have. But I also wanted to put our robot vacuum cleaner on and I wanted to clean it for when we came home. So I wanted it all cleaned up so then I could put the robot vacuum on and then we could go and play. And so that's what we decided to do. We being me, I decided. (laughs) 
I also didn't want to set the precedent that they could make that kind of monumental mess and not have to clean it up and that it's okay to leave the house with that kind of mess lying around. So, I mean, really, could it have been left there? Yes. Did I want it left there? No. So after getting them to focus on cleaning up, because of the amount that needed cleaning up, it meant for a pretty unpleasant conversation where I had to keep bringing them back to the task at hand because the beads just kept rolling. And that was more fun. It was more fun to keep tossing them around and seeing how many they could bowl around and where they'd end up watching them skirt right across the floor. And like, I get it. It was funny and it was fun. But it was such a nice day and I just wanted to get outside. (laughs) So I felt myself getting angrier and angrier and there's this inner dialogue going on and on and around and around and around about the necessity of cleaning up this mess and whether it was really worth how upset I'd gotten about it. So the answer I think is no. It was definitely not worth the anger. But I ended up putting some music on and I made a game out of it, which didn't involve spreading the beads even further. But instead, you know, I was trying to lift my mood to get the task done more effectively, more efficiently and have a little bit more fun while I was doing it. It made it a way better experience for myself and for the kids when, you know, we were cleaning it up and then we were able to get out of the house and get to the park. And I feel like this similar thing translates into so many different areas of our lives. Like if you have experienced this, you know, a significantly dramatic reaction for something that's really quite seemingly small, you know, I find it doesn't draw out the person I want to be for myself or for those around me. And I'm sure that you've had instances where you've thought, oh, that was a big reaction for something that actually didn't matter that much in the first place. And it's, you know, for me, it's the same when I preempt tasks like opening my laptop. Sometimes when I preempt work and the things that I have to do that isn't pleasant, I find it harder to get motivated. You know, when I consider the tasks ahead of me and what I have to do. But what I find is that if I can think about it in a different way, through a different lens or find a thought about it that feels better, then I find it much easier to sit down and get started. And when I do that, I achieve so much more in a shorter amount of time. I'm able to focus and I'm happier while I'm actually trying to achieve it, which, you know, has to be healthier and more creative, right? You know, that's when I find I can turn my phone off and not think about going down a Facebook hole or LinkedIn or anything. I'm able to give something my full attention. And I think it's a way better approach. So if you've got tasks that you have to do, whether it be at work, at home, whatever it might be personally, if you can find a different way or a different thought to look at it, whether that's rewarding yourself off the back end of it, whether that's, you know, just looking at it slightly differently, giving it a positive slant, like, okay, I don't want to go and have a mammogram. I've never had a mammogram, but if, you know, I had to go and have a mammogram, I've heard they're not very pleasant. You know, it's like, well, at least I know my health is in check and I'm going to take myself out for a coffee afterwards. You know, whatever you can do to make it easier will help you achieve it in a way that is more effective and a little bit more fun. Because here's the 411. You get to shift your energy at any time and in any which way you choose. And what I find is it's about being able to consciously be in the moment, present enough to have an understanding that there needs to be an energetic shift from you and an awareness of what's causing you to feel which way you're feeling in the first place. And that's easier said than done. Because whether your energy is justified or not, is that how you consciously choose to show up? Most of the time it won't be especially if it's negative or aggressive, angry, frustrated, explosive. Most of the time, we've got no idea where that actually comes from. 
when all of a sudden we start feeling angry or irritated and we don't consciously understand what's happened to make us feel that way, you know, we need to really stop and be able to unpack it. But without practicing that, it's incredibly difficult to do. Most of the time, especially when we're tense and angry or in a negative state, that's the only perspective we have access to in that moment. And it can be incredibly difficult to pull ourselves out of it. But that doesn't mean we don't get to try, especially if a lot of the time we're looking back on situations going, oh, I wish I hadn't reacted like that. Why did I react like that? Usually the answer to this is that there's something that's happened in your past. I'm talking way, way, way in your past. That's a pattern that you've been repeating ever since. And it's still going on today. And until you talk to a life coach, i.e. me, get in touch, then you're not going to be able to unpack it and bring it to the surface to work your way through it and stop that pattern repeating itself. When it comes to feeling things, it's important to measure it and understand it because otherwise, why are we here? I don't know if you've uh, ever had a friend who, when you were with a large group, behaved one way and then behind closed doors behaved another where in a group, you know, it can sometimes appear as a bit of a performance, it's disingenuous, and particularly if you know that person more intimately away from everybody else. You know, I've had friends like that before where when I'm with them one-on-one, it feels like that's the real them and it's genuine and it's real. And when we're in a group, they react to me completely differently. You know, they're influenced by the others in the group and how they think they should be perceived and how they think they should behave. And therefore, they tailor their behavior to match that perception or to change the perception others have of them. And I've always thought that that was oh, incredibly exhausting. I've never really had the time for that. And the truth is, if you're someone like that or you know someone like that, there's an inner turmoil happening where they either don't know themselves very well or they feel that they need to be a certain way to be accepted. There's a whole lot of stuff going on because the truth is we can all make ourselves happy or at least happier. And it starts with self-acceptance. For all the good and all the ugly and all the different parts of us that make up our whole self, you know, even for those of us experiencing deep inner turmoil, If you don't have deep inner turmoil, you won't know what I mean when I say that. But if you do, you'll know exactly what I mean. You'll know exactly what that is and how it feels. It's that deep, deep pain that you don't let anybody else see, but it's there within you every single day. And I would say that even for you, if you experience that, there is a way to make yourself happier. And it may not be in an extreme way where you get to feel happy most of the time, or you can get rid of that inner pain. But even enabling yourself to feel a tiny bit happier, even just for a moment in any given day, that's progress. So many of us hang out for these monumental shifts, which you know I explained in episode 58 on the big shift. And they are possible, especially when working with a coach. When, when working with a coach, they're probable. And sometimes we're not ready. Sometimes there is a reason we're hanging on to that pain and there is a reason we're hanging on to how we're feeling. And until that is explored in a safe and confidential space, often it can't be resolved, which is why mental health professionals exist, to talk about problems that you can't just talk to openly anywhere else. With someone who's bound, you know, by their professional obligation to keep that between the two of you. It's sacred. It's special. It's 100% confidential. And that's another reason coaching is so amazing. 
there is always something we can do to feel happier, even if it's for a fleeting moment. And that's better than nothing, right? Because if we're not feeling, why are we here? Think about it. Everything we do, everything you do, is driven by a feeling, a want to feel a certain way, an emotion. Usually it's to feel good, but not always. I've worked with some clients who have done things to feel bad because feeling good for too long was too much to handle. That's called self-sabotage. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop because, open quote, life can't be this good or, you know, I'm just not this lucky or things like this don't happen to me. Other clients I've worked with have done things to make themselves feel worse or negative because of things they've done and the guilt that they carry around that. Things they don't feel they should have done. Things they are unable to forgive themselves for. And because they can't forgive themselves for it, they can't move on. Mentally, they cycle around and around and around. And when it comes to forgiving yourself, it's a choice. If you've done everything you can to rectify the situation with everybody else you've involved, it's a choice. You choose to forgive yourself or you choose to keep making yourself feel guilty about it. Some clients I've worked with are addicts. They're addicted because that dopamine hit in the brain is just never enough. They keep chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. I looked up dopamine receptors uh, on the search engine, Google, and found an article by Harvard Health. Now, dopamine receptors are located in our brain and affect our central nervous system, so movement, emotions, and you know, they're the reward system in the brain. So they work on repetition, which is why when we do something and get a dopamine hit as a reward, dopamine being one of our four happy hormones, we go back and repeat the action that gave us that dopamine hit originally. It's why if you have Facebook or emails or, you know, on any smartphone, you get the little red circle that gives you a, you have a notification. Every time you get that, you get a dopamine hit which is what marketers know and marketers play to. They're brilliant at it. And it's why you've got Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, emails that are all, or Snapchat, that are all competing for your attention. And dopamine makes us feel really good. Dopamine is also the thing that's triggered in the brain when we eat chocolate or sugar, when we get drunk, when we take drugs, they all create huge spikes of dopamine in the body and the thing about our brain enjoying that dopamine is that we want it again and again and again and over time overexposure to it like an addict means we need even more of it so if you've seen the social dilemma there are some really interesting points on there about what facebook and social platforms are actually doing to our health and our brains and how that's affecting us mentally and socially. It's, it's not a positive thing. So if you're really, really addicted to your social platforms, then don't go and watch the social network or maybe you need to. I often say if it's something you don't want to do, then you probably should. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting how marketing has started to utilise neuroscience and our brain chemistry to get us in and get us spending money and get us spending time on those platforms. So definitely check it out. The thing about dopamine is it sits in our instant gratification camp. The key word there is instant. So while yes, dopamine is 
feel good and, you know, something we all are exposed to and we create naturally in our brains unless we are using stimulants like drugs and sugar to get that dopamine hit. It doesn't allow us to sustain the good feeling in an ongoing and healthy capacity. It's not a long-term solution to feeling self-gratification and self-acceptance and fulfilment because the dopamine spike is artificially given to us, if that makes sense. It's from an external source that we get that dopamine hit. We also get that dopamine when we achieve something like a goal that is often combined with serotonin. Dopamine's the primary, but you can see the difference. When we get that dopamine spike from external to ourselves, from a platform or from something that we can't control, then we get that surge in dopamine, which we get addicted to, which we then go back to that external source for to get it over and over and over again in enhanced amounts. When we achieve something intrinsically, we get the dopamine hit, but it's a lot harder to go and achieve a goal that gives us that dopamine spike. It's all relative. It's like you can pay a dollar and get a chocolate bar and get it, or you can sit on your phone and get the Facebook notifications, or you can go and achieve a goal. You know, which one's easier, which one's faster. So the instant part of that matters. And to get it instantly is not something that us in our caveman years had access to, which is why they probably didn't have the same amount of mental health issues that we have. They might have. I don't know. I'm happy to be stand corrected on that. But I don't think they did because they didn't have the complexity of the environments that we live in today where we are constantly bombarded with advertising and marketing Uh, And we also don't tend to have as much resilience to achieve much more complex goals because in those days it was about survival and not about the higher order of living and achieving and, you know, hopefully leaving a legacy, which I think a lot of people really want to do. And that may be their children, that may be wealth, that may be businesses, it may be contributions of other kinds, but it's really important to understand the difference between dopamine and feel-good hormones that you receive through hard work versus those that come a little bit too easily. Think about what you do. Then think about why you do it. Or if you're not currently doing the thing, consider why you want to do the thing. It's because you think it'll give you something or because it already does. And by the way, that thing isn't the thing. You get that, right? (laughs) That thing isn't the thing that makes you feel good. It's the story you tell yourself about the thing. So what do I mean? You want to build an empire and own a Ferrari and a penthouse apartment. Why? It's not to have the Ferrari and the penthouse apartment. It's because you'll get a feeling from having those things. So what's the feeling you're chasing? You want to be slim and fit. Why? It's not actually to eat 800 calories a day and exercise flat out, is it? Of course not. It's about the attention you'll get or how you think you'll feel when you are that slim and fit. By the way, there's no judgment here. You want what you want and it's perfectly okay to want everything you want as long as you like the reasons that you're chasing that thing. So no judgment, but be honest with yourself about it because when you're honest about it, you can work towards it. You know, you want to play basketball like Michael Jordan. Why? To practice every single day for your entire life, not knowing if you'll actually get to be the standard of Michael Jordan or even get into the NBA? No. 
It's about how it feels to win along the way, how it feels to overcome the challenges you face or to play to the best of your ability and just see how far along that path you can get. You want to lead and align your team successfully at work. Get them on the same page and nurture their development. Why? So you get a promotion? Yeah, great. But how will you feel when you get that promotion? Or at the thought of having that promotion, is it prestige? Is it more money? Is it pride? Is it importance? Is it honour? So you see, everything we do, every action we take, every behaviour we have is to feel a feeling because otherwise why are we here? What are we doing with this short time on earth that we have? Two questions for you to consider before I leave you for this episode. The first If there are things, significant things in your life right now that you must do, but you dislike or find bring you down, what can you do to bring more joy to them? How can you look at it differently to feel better about it? If you really have to do that thing, how can you make it even slightly more enjoyable for yourself and have more fun in a healthy, sustainable way? Question two. Even if you're relatively content with how your life looks right now, what's one thing you don't currently do that you want to do? Why do you want to do it? How will it make you feel? Remember, we're always chasing a feeling and being able to identify what that feeling is, is the key to understanding ourselves better and living a happier, healthier and more enjoyable life and having more fun along the way. I'll see you next week. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have to listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.